All right, we're so glad that you guys are here at both of our campuses, and what a special, special day that this is. I failed to say this at the uh, 9 o'clock service, and I'm just going to say it now, but uh, today, 11 years ago, April the 16th, 2006, we began and had our first service, so we're 11 years old today. All right. But I'm more excited about Easter. So we're really glad that you're here. North Star is a place where everybody is welcome, nobody is perfect, and... Okay, I, I could just barely hear you, um, so I'm going to do it again. All right, let's, let's amp this thing up. North Star is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and... That's right. Anything is possible. And we really believe that at North Star. This is not a country club. This is a hospital for sinners. Amen? And so we're pumped about what God is doing here and, and uh, has done over the last 11 years and is doing Easter weekend and is going to be doing in the days to come. So we're glad that you're here. We welcome those that are joining us online. There are people from all over that are joining us, and we're so glad to have you guys, either live or at a later date when you watch the video cast. And we just went live after an incredible time of worship at this campus and an incredible time of worship at the Tupelo campus. This part of the service just went live over there for them. So make some noise for those guys over there. Amen. Amen. Easter is more than a day to celebrate. It is a power to experience. It's interesting that Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, the wise men came to see him, the shepherds were all there, and Jesus grew up, lived a sinless, perfect life, but he never said, hey, look guys, uh, I, I want you to put, uh, I want you to remember the day I was born. But he didn't do that. But he did say, remember when I died. And so that's why we celebrate at Easter the risen Christ. And we celebrate the risen Christ every week, all right? Because he is where we get our power. He is where we get our hope. He is where we get our, our fulfillment and our direction. So we celebrate that. But he told us to celebrate uh, his death. It's not just a day to be celebrated, but it, it is a power to be experienced Perhaps some of you at our campuses today have not experienced the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And it is our prayer, and we have been praying as this day approached, that this would be the day that you experience the resurrecting power, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. So we're glad that you're here. Take your Bibles, and we're going to look first at the book of Luke, chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Are you glad you came to church today? All right, me too. Me too. I, I couldn't sleep good last night, man. I kept waking up thinking, ooh, it's time, it's time. All right. In honor of the reading of God's Word today, would you please stand with me at both of our campuses? We're going to begin in Luke chapter 24. 
beginning with verse number one. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of the sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Would you join me as we pray together? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that as we gather to celebrate the resurrected Christ, God, speak to our hearts. Bless the reading of your word, God, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Do you realize that today all around the globe, people are celebrating Easter. They're celebrating what Jesus did. What Jesus did was he conquered sin on the cross because he went to the cross and died for our sins. But in his resurrection, he conquered death. And so people around the globe literally are celebrating what Jesus did in his resurrection. Now I want to ask you a question. If I were to ask you, when you see the symbol of the cross, what does it, what, what does it mean to you? What, what feelings, what emotions tend to surface when you see a cross? Well, it was much different, I can guarantee you, in the day of Jesus. Because a cross in Jesus' day meant death, certain death. There was no coming back. There was no second chances. If you went to the cross, you died. And the cross was reserved for those worst of the worst of the worst. And so in Jesus' day, it was not a good symbol. It was not until after the resurrection, the death and the resurrection, that the cross that, that I'm wearing around my neck, and many of you are, we, we see on the wall in our kitchen, It was not until after the resurrection that the cross took on a different meaning. The Bible says in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5. I want to set up verse 7 by mentioning verse 6. It says, you see, just at the right time, say that, right time. Aren't you glad that we have a God of just at the right time. Some of you have come to church today and you're thinking, God is uh, uh, late. I've been talking to God about this issue and it hasn't happened. He hasn't answered my prayer. I'm telling you, you can leave assured knowing that God is the God of the right time. Just at the right time, 
when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Let me tell you who Jesus died for. He was nailed to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, to do for us what we could not do. The Bible says there had to be a, a price paid. The Bible says that there, there had to be blood shed. In fact, Scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin. So it says, just at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Who's the ungodly? That's all of us. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. But let me tell you somebody, somebody else that Jesus died for. They nailed him to the cross, and the very ones that nailed him to the cross, Jesus died for them. He died so that they, people like that, the ungodly, he died for the world. The world does not all accept him or follow him, but he died for them. Verse 7. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his love, his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is what this tells me. And that is this. The cross of Jesus is a picture of God's unconditional love. So when you see the cross, and when you experience the power of the resurrection, when you see the cross, remember that it's a picture of what God has done for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The cross is a picture of what God did for you. He didn't just say, uh, hey, I love you. Like, that would be like weird. Uh, some loudspeaker in the sky and uh, drop flyers. He didn't just send us a love note, the Bible. He sent his son. He sent his son, Jesus, who paid the debt that we owe he paid a debt that he did not owe. We owe a debt that we could not pay. So not only does the cross, is it a picture of God's unconditional love? The, let me say it a different way. The cross of Jesus equals the love of God. The cross of Jesus equals the, the love of God. His love is relentless. His love is a pursuing love. We may be pursuing happiness in life or a way to fill the emptiness, but God is constantly pursuing us. Sometimes people say, you know, back in 2015 is when I found God. I, I'm being disrespectful uh, or critical, but they didn't find God. God found them. He pursues us. It's a constant pursuit of us. And he, he loves us. It's relentless. It's unconditional. What's unconditional? Well, unconditional is uh, I love you even though. My wife loves me unconditionally. We've been married for 35 years. I think it's time for a trip. <laughs> she said, uh, on your 34, it's time for a trip. Uh, 
She loves me unconditional. There are times that I'm unlovable. I know that's a shock to you. Seriously, I know you're like, wow, the air has been let out of my balloon. No, I, sometimes I'm not a lovable person. Don't amen that like my wife did in the early service. Uh, but she loves me unconditionally. Even though I don't deserve her love, she loves me unconditionally. Even though uh, I've, I've said things that I shouldn't say, she still loves me in spite of those things. That's God's love. But even though she loves me unconditionally and has for 35 for her long years, it's nothing to be compared to God's love. It's unconditional. God's love, uh, when, when, this is what's unique. When he's seeking us, he's seeking some of you right now who are listening. And as he's seeking us to have a relationship with us, sometimes he sends people into our lives, people across our pathway, people into our circumstances. Sometimes he sends us signs, maybe for you, maybe for some. It was an invitation to Easter weekend at North Star. That's from God. It's not by happenstance that you were here. It's not. It's not by coincidence that somehow somebody invited you or you saw a billboard or you got something in the mail or you got a personal invitation card. You didn't have to come. Ah, see, it's, it's not by happenstance that you made it here. God has a plan for you to be here today to hear about his love and how he is in constant pursuit of us. In Matthew chapter 14 is the parable of the, the sheep and the shepherd. Matthew chapter 18 verse 12 says, what did Jesus is telling the story, you know, and by the way, a parable is an earthly story. It's like an everyday story, but with a heavenly meaning. You, you, you got it? He says, what do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go back for the one that has wandered off? Listen, and if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is, willing, is, not, is not willing that any of these little ones perish. God wants everybody to be saved. He wants everybody to follow him. Uh, thank God I'm not the shepherd. Like if you've got sheep, seriously, and you've got 100 sheep and you need somebody like part-time, like, hey, pastor, would you come watch my 100 sheep? And uh, you, you go off to an out-of-town job and, I'm, you know, I'm trying to pastor a church and, and uh, lead a staff and try to, and to preach messages, but take care of your 100 sheep. And, and look, if, if I look up and one of your 100 sheep, like, is dumb and it goes, and sheep are dumb, they are, goes down a deep ravine, a snaky ravine, rattlesnakes. I got news for you. When you come back, I'm going to tell you, uh, look, I'm sorry about this, but you hadn't got but 99 left. So don't hire me as a shepherd, right? But God's not that way. God said, I have a, a relentless love, a pursuing love, a constant love. 
that wants to share a relationship with you. Uh, it's a, it's a, a relationship, not a religion. You may say, but pastor, uh, look, I hear what you're saying. I've heard it before. But you don't know what I've done. You don't know the things that I was addicted to. You don't know the places that I've been. You don't know the, the lifestyle that I've lived. How could God love me? Why would God? I even asked the same question myself. Why would God uh, want to have a relationship with me? I've done too much bad. And I don't know who needs to hear this or how many needs to hear what I'm about to say, but the, I, I'm fixing to pull the trigger. This is for you. You're so concerned about your past. What you did is not who you are. Some of you didn't get that. Because there's some bad people. Look, you've done some bad things. I have too. But what, you've, what you did is not who you are. Your history does not have to define who you are. God can define who you are if you give your life to him or if you put your trust in him. He loves you. He wants to give you a, a fresh start. And I'm not just talking to unbelievers. Those of you who are kicking the tires of Christianity. Those of you who have been religious but had no relationship. I'm talking about both unbelievers and believers. God wants believers to leave here today with a fresh start. I can't tell you how many fresh starts in my life that God has given me. We say sometimes, he is the God of a second chance. Oh, look, I've got news for you. He's the God of a 50-second chance. <laughs> Just ask him. He probably won't tell you about me, but ask him. Uh, he loves us. He wants to give us a fresh start. On the first Easter, it was much different than this Easter. There were no people standing out in the parking lot saying, and some of those guys don't smile, but they're smiling on the inside. The first Easter, there were not greeters and staff moving around. There was no lead pastor that stood up on a stage and said, hey, welcome to North Star. North Star's a place where everybody's welcome, or Jerusalem is a place where everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect and anything is possible. Amen. It's not the way it was. On the first Easter, the disciples were hiding in the upper room. Why? Because the one that they followed, Jesus, had been crucified and they were convinced that they were probably next. They were convinced that they were probably going to find them too and kill them in the passage that they were dejected, they were in despair, their lives filled with hopelessness. They didn't know what they were going to do, going to do about tomorrow. Some of you have come today, you don't know what you're going to do about tomorrow either. On the first Easter, in the passage that we read, they went to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. He died on Friday, but the Sabbath 
had certain rules that you could not do on the Sabbath day. And so they were not able to anoint the body until Sunday, which was the third day. You feel what I'm saying? Friday's coming. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. I said it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And so they, they went to the tomb. He, he wasn't there. There were two angels. What are you doing here? So we're looking for Jesus. They said, why are you looking for the living? If I were the angel, I would have had a little sarcasm in my voice. And why are you looking for the living among the dead? Seriously? That's what I'd have done. They were more diplomatic about it, I'm sure. And as I was preparing this message, I thought, wow. That has a contextual application because they were looking for Jesus and he had risen from the dead. But it has a cultural application. And this is what it is. Why do we? Why do we in our culture in 2017, why do we keep going back to the same old dead places thinking that you're going to find life? Did you get that? Okay, let me, let me step it up. Why do we still go like, we know we're in a relationship that we shouldn't be in, and why do we keep going back to that relationship? It's a dead place, trying to find life. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, you're looking for love in all the wrong places because God is the only one that can show you what true love is. Why do you go back to the same lifestyle? You get better, you reform a little, but then you go back to the same old dead places looking for life, looking for things that will make you happy. And many are in that state of, or position in their, in their lives today. Another passage in the Bible, it's in the gospel of John. It's another account. It's another disciple uh, account in, in John chapter 20, verse 10. Listen to this. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and she wept, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. She saw, no, it's the same story, okay? It's just, uh, this is John's account of it. We, we read Luke's. This is John. And so um, she looked over into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, at one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, the, the angels asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where, where they've put him. At this time, she turned around and, and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who, who is it you're looking for? She thought he was the gardener. I mean, you can't blame her. You would have thought the same thing. She saw him die and put into the tomb. Now, the tomb has been... The, the rock, the, 
The stone has been rolled away and, and he's not there. Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. He said it in such a way that he had said her name before and she knew this was Jesus. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. You know what I surmised from reading that? Uh, that uh, this, is, this is profound, so get ready. When Jesus shows up, he changes everything. When Jesus comes into a situation, when Jesus comes into a marriage, when Jesus comes into a relationship, when Jesus comes into a life, he changes things. Now, uh, uh, um, Mary was the only one at the tomb at that time. She ran back. Jesus uh, made several appearances over a 40-day period. In fact, over a 40-day period before Jesus ascended into heaven and now is seated at the right hand of the Father, uh, Jesus made several appearances. He made over 500 appearances. He made an appearance to the disciples in the upper room. Remember I said they were in despair, hopeless, uh, afraid. And when Jesus showed up, he what? Changes everything. Now, these men were filled with courage. They saw Jesus. They saw the, the nail prints in his hand and in his feet and in his side. And now instead of being uh, dejected and hopeless, now they were filled with courage. And, and quite frankly, these men went on to turn the world upside down. They ultimately, every one of them, ultimately laid down their life for, for the cause of Jesus Christ. And so for the next 40 days, Jesus appeared over 500 times, and then he ascended into heaven. Don't you think that he made a major effect by his presence, just like today? He's present here. He's not in body. We can't summon his presence, but his presence is felt. He, he lives within us. We know that he is here, and he's changing. He's changing lives, one life at a time. Did you know that over the next uh, 20 years, after the resurrection of Jesus, did you know that half of Jerusalem, half of the people in the city of Jerusalem gave their hearts to Jesus Christ? Half of them. A quarter of a million people in Jerusalem said yes and became followers of the way. Some of you today are going to become followers of the way, a part of the Jesus community, a follower of Christ. Say it the way you want to. Some today at both of our campuses already earlier this morning and last night have said yes to Jesus Christ, and some are going to do the same thing in this service. I began by saying the cross is a picture of God's unconditional love. But the second thing I want you to see is in John chapter 6. This is what God wants you to do. Jesus answered, the work of God, you say, ask yourself this question, what does God want me to do? 
Jesus said the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Believe. Say the word believe. Believe. The word believe is a very powerful word. It's a very powerful um, declaration. Powerful declaration. I mean, it's one thing to say, uh, I, 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 think, uh, I think, this is what I think. I'm thinking, I, I use that phrase a lot, uh, I'm thinking she ain't listening. I'm thinking they must not be home. Uh, we say things like, I know this. i tell you one thing, this one thing I do know, and you probably do know. But to, to say something like, uh, I'm feeling it. I got a feeling that, uh, I got a feeling like, mm, yeah, but the word believe is different. The word believe is a powerful declaration. The word believe means to trust and to commit oneself to. That's what the word believe means. Uh, he's going to put it on the screen. It means believe means to trust and commit oneself to. That's what it means to believe. Now, I've never seen Jesus face to face. I've experienced resurrection power. Christ lives in my life. But uh, he lived 2,000 years ago. I didn't see him. But I know that he lives. I know that my Redeemer lives because I, I believe. What does believe mean? It means to trust and commit oneself to. I commit my life to Jesus. This is what I believe. Number one, that in Jesus, your sins can be forgiven. In Jesus Christ, your sins, my sins, can be forgiven. The Bible says in Romans, Romans chapter 3, He tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let, let me back up to verse 22, I'm sorry. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who, say the word with me. Uh, you didn't all say it. Don't just say it in your heart, all right, say it. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who must believe. It means to, to give completely, to trust and to commit oneself to. Then he says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is what I know. You have to trust what Jesus did. In Jesus we have forgiveness of sin, but you have to trust what Jesus did on the cross. You have to trust what Jesus did on the cross. So, well, I believe in God. Awesome. The demons believe in God. And the Bible says that they tremble. But you have to put your trust in Jesus Christ. I can't do it for you. I can, I can pray a prayer and you can repeat words. But you have to put your trust. For all have sinned. We've all disobeyed God. 
Our righteousness is as filthy rags. We need God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Say, well, what if I live a good life? The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. They did a... Uh, many groups have done this, have gone into cities and done uh, surveys or interviews and said, what do you believe it takes for a person to go to heaven? An overwhelming response on almost every time that they did it, people would say, well, I hope my good outweighs my bad. You know, in, in this life, I hope that I do more good than I do bad. But I, that's not how you're going to get to heaven. You see, the symbol of our faith is not a scale. It's a cross. The symbol of our faith is not a scale. God's like going to weigh out my good and weigh out my bad. Woo! Because sometimes that's the way it is. Not just for me, but for you. Thank God the symbol of my faith is not a scale. The symbol of my faith is a cross. And it is when I put my trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross that makes all the difference. Can I get an amen? Number two. What do I believe? I believe that in Jesus my sins are forgiven. Number two, that in Jesus... Christ, we have eternal life. Eternal. We don't think about eternity a lot. Most mostly people don't. Mostly we think about this day, right? We're so busy. Ball games, parties, egg hunts, dinners, lunches, breakfast, meetings, soccer field, church. Oftentimes it's put on the, the Lord, Father, because we're so busy. We're so busy focusing on this day that we don't think about that day, right? That day, one day, we're going to stand and give an account of what we did on this earth of whether or not we have a relationship with God. How will that day be for you? So, Pastor, would you tell us what, what we can do because uh, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Yes, it's like taking three simple steps. Step number one, you ready? Admit. Admit. Now, God knows everything, right? He's all-knowing. He, he loves us even though he knows what we're fixing to do. He just wants us to come clean before him. Admit, God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. Number two is believe. Remember the word believe? He said if you will believe, it is to, to trust and to commit oneself to. Say, I believe in the cross of Jesus. I believe in Jesus that he went to the cross and he died for my sins. And on Easter morning, he rose from the dead. Number three, call. 
the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Say, Pastor, how do we take those three steps? Is it like joining the church or is it like being baptized? No, it's talking to God. We take those steps from our heart in prayer. Now I'm going to ask that every person bow their heads in prayer. And I'm going to ask that nobody gets up to leave at this moment. Just for a few moments. Just, just be still. It's sacred. This is, this is a holy moment. We don't want anyone to be disturbed. If you're ready to pray this prayer, you know you need Jesus. Or if you're not sure of some decision you've made, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's nothing mystical about the words, but it's, it's a step of faith from your heart. But you can say this. Just say it from your heart. Dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe that God loves me and that Christ died for me on the cross and that he rose from the grave. I, I repent, I turn from my sins and I turn to Jesus. Come into my life, forgive me. I put my trust in you today to be my Lord and Savior. I follow you, Lord Jesus. And then thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, now every head is bowed. I am the only one that's looking. I'm the only one. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or walk forward. But, but I am going to ask you to do one thing. And that's, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand and then you can put it back down. But just raise it long enough for me and Pastor Andrew at Tupelo Campus to see that you have made this decision. I think it's important to do this. So, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it with a sincere heart, would you just slip up your hand and then you can put it back down? I see you. Mm -hmm. Slip it up. I see you. I see you. And put it back down. I see you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Uh-huh. Anybody else? Just raise it and put it back down. I'm looking across the whole room. Give me, give me time to say I see you. Just raise it up and put it back down. You can just do it quickly. Raise it up. Put it back down. I see you. I see you and you. Yes. Mm -hmm. You. I see you. Gotcha. Anybody else? Slip it up. Put it back down. I see you. Yeah. Same thing is happening at Tupelo. People are raising their hands saying, I gave my heart to Jesus today. Anybody else? Just raise your hand and put it back down. I see you in the back. Anybody else? Slip it up. Put it down. Amen. Now, if you raised your hand, Thank you, first of all, for your boldness. I'm going to ask that everyone that prayed that prayer, whether you raised your hand or not, you, you received a handout when you came into church today. And at the bottom of it is a, a form it tears off. Would you please fill that out? You can begin doing it right now. It'd be fine. But fill it out. And that lets us know that you, on Easter Sunday 2017, invited Jesus Christ to come into your life. And then we're, we'll be praying for you behind the scenes. You can drop that in the offering bucket as it comes by. 
or if you hadn't got it filled out quite yet, there are buckets in the back at both campuses. You can drop that in on your way out, or you can bring it to guest services. Now, as a Christ follower, maybe you're asking God just for a renewal or a fresh start in your own life, and he'll give it to you, because you know what? Jesus changes everything. Now, I'm going to ask that everyone, everyone, please stand. I want to pray for you. And listen, this is not a time to leave because you don't want to miss this closing song, I promise you. And in fact, I'm just going to pray that God would speak through this song as we prepare to go out into the world this Easter Sunday. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for meeting us in this place today and for what you're doing in our church and what you're about to do and going to do. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit today would just make application to the truths that have been preached. And God, we love you and we're thankful for what you have spoken to us it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.